Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast, a space where we share inspiring interviews and stories from thoughtful leaders in business, health and wellness, entrepreneurship and sports. Here we talk about tools, habits, routines and tactics they use that help them feel calm, revived and rebalanced whenever they face challenges in life. I'm your host, Nico Estrella, a serial entrepreneur, former professional soccer player and co-founder of WACU. Hello everyone, welcome to our 10th episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast and the first episode of the year. I am happy to have our guest today, it's Madison Sicone. Sicone, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Ciccone, but everybody says it differently, so it's just like whatever. <laughs> I'm glad to have you here on the podcast, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I feel like most people don't really even know my last name because everybody just calls me Mads Tads because that's my Instagram. So yeah. I'll be like out on the street and people are like, Mads Tads, Madsy Tadsy. And I'm like, sure. I answer to like whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Awesome. So Madison, thank you again for, for coming to the show. And um, I have a bunch of questions for you. Um, oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, But I wanted to start first. Um, I know that you started your career in LA, right? I was I was reading a little bit about your your story, and I know that now you are living in Boston, right? Yes, correct. Awesome. That's also where where I live. I live in in Somerville, there in in Massachusetts. Love it. Yeah. So I actually so my I jumped around a little bit. I grew up in Rhode Island. I went to school in Rhode Island. I then went to college in Nashville, Tennessee at Belmont University. And then I got an internship at Ellen DeGeneres my senior year of college. So that headed me out to LA. It was awesome. Loved it. Such a cool place to work. You're on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. Like it probably one of the coolest experiences. And I was a senior still in college and I chose to do my spring semester as a senior or glory semester. I was like, I'm going, I'm doing Belmont West, I'm going to LA. And I got that internship and it was really awesome. And that's really what pulled me out to the West Coast from going from Nashville to LA. And then I was in LA, worked a myriad of jobs for probably six years, worked in entertainment, worked in, you know advertising, did side jobs, did music videos, like did all the LA things and eventually got burnt out, got uh, let go from an advertising agency. And my friends were like, Mads, you love fitness. All you do is work out. You're always going to yoga. You're getting your yoga certificates. You're doing this, always doing all this physical like you know, wellness, fitness. We didn't even call it wellness at the time. You know what I mean? Wellness wasn't even a thing. We were calling it just like fitness industry. And so I was like, Soul Cycle was like hot to try. It was up and coming. I was like, you know what? I'm going to work for Soul Cycle. I love the Soul Cycle classes. I've been yeah. to a couple in, in my life, but I, I love how excited you get and how pumped you get <laughs> after every class. Yeah, it's very, it's super fun. And So that was kind of like what I set my eye on. I was like, I'm going to work for SoulCycle. I went on a series of interviews and after several rounds going back and forth, ha like not getting it, taking another job in the interim and then going back to Soul, I finally got the job as a studio manager in um, West Hollywood. I opened what was our West Coast headquarters in Culver City. And I worked there for a while. And then I just started riding a lot. Like I rode all the time, tons and tons and tons of classes. And that is really – I never went into it thinking I was going to be an instructor. I It's so funny. Everybody like has a plan or a path. And my plan or path, I was like, I'm going to do marketing for SoulCycle. I'm going to be a, in the marketing department in New York or, L or stay in LA. And I just rode for all these different instructors. I was riding up on podium for different people. And, and you were you know, writing there, uh, you were writing like blog posts for them or what you were writing for them? So I was riding their podium. So what that means is like there are certain senior and master instructors that you will teach from the floor. Because if you're teaching 15 to 20 classes a week, you cannot ride all of those. So as a tenured instructor, you'll put someone on your podium that like – 
examples the class for you so you can run around and teach from the floor. So I was doing that. So basically like leading the class up there by example while they would teach from the floor. And I was doing that a lot. And then people were like, why don't you become an instructor? Why don't you become an instructor? And I heard it over and over again. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should become an instructor. And so I went through the audition process and I made it through. I went to SoulCycle training in New York City for the summer of 2016. And then SoulCycle moved me to Boston. They gave me a few options of some different cities I could move to. And I chose Boston ultimately because it was a little bit closer to Rhode Island. So I was like, if I absolutely hate Boston, at least I'm not 100% alone. And I have family and some friends from high school, some that sticked around from like college, whatever. And um, I wouldn't be completely alone here. And lo and behold, now I've been here for six going on six years. So pretty insane. That's amazing. That was like the very short, shorthand version of how I hopped around the country and landed back in Boston. (laughs) uh, So I I guess you did like Boston uh, after all. How are you liking it compared to to LA or Rhode Island? Um, Well, yeah. I mean, Boston and Rhode Island are pretty similar. I would say it's extremely different than LA. And I feel like I can't really give – that's really tough for me because LA is just – it's weather is great. You can ski in a day and surf in a day and you can do all the things. So that's ultimately – that's just hard. I can't say I don't think about going back to LA a lot, but yeah. I have started to grow roots here and make a life here and I'm close to family here. So there's pros and cons to really both sides of that. Yeah, I think I feel very similar to Ecuador. Actually, right now I am recording this episode. I am currently in Ecuador visiting family. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. so I I am escaping the the cold for a little bit. Um, I love that. See, like it's nice to be able to do both. That would be really great. I always said if I could be bi-coastal and spend some time here and some time in LA, then I would be like the happiest of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. Um, Now, whenever you started to to become a soul cycle instructor in, in, and in all these years that you've been an instructor in, in soul cycle, what do you think is one of your favorite things about being an instructor and also one of the most challenging things uh, of, of that job? Yeah. So I think my favorite thing is watching someone gain confidence through um, just through physical movement, through uh, a different mindset, you can see just somebody's whole demeanor change when they start to do something and they gain more confidence in what they're doing or they feel better about their body or they feel better about their mindset. You can just watch somebody completely transform. And I think that's really special knowing that you've kind of helped them on that journey of self-discovery. I think that's an honor and a privilege. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the most challenging thing is kind of, I think just being on all the time is extremely challenging. So just always being on and available and being bright and sunshine and positive, even on the days you don't want to, or during a global pandemic, um, like all that is can sometimes be a little bit of a drag. And I think what pulls you through those hard times is then that why of like, I know I'm here to foster others on their journey and help others ultimately. So it's kind of like this delicate ballet dance between the really, really great parts, what you love the most, and then the parts that are sometimes really challenging. Um, But that all kind of, it makes it this complete thing. I guess. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense because yeah, every time that I've seen a soul cycle instructor, um, you you can see what what you just said like they are they have a lot of energy and they have a lot of like you you get like con- it's a bit contagious that that yeah energy that, yeah I bet it's uh, super challenging to having to be like that every day because life happens. Uh, Yeah. I mean, have, you know, you've taken, I've gone to people's classes, whether it's 
anywhere, you gravitate towards the people that make you feel good and have that energy, especially when you don't have it. So I think that you're always on and you're trying to give, give, give. And then sometimes you hit that wall of like, oh my gosh, like I need to go replenish. I need to, and you just, it's this very delicate, like I I use the word ballet dance a lot, but like, honestly, it's this delicate balance of give and take. And so sometimes that can be really challenging. So then I have a couple of follow-up questions there. So yeah. Whenever you are you are feeling like this, and whenever you are hitting this wall, wall um, what are some of the things that help you get replenished? Um, we we like to talk a lot about here in this podcast about uh, replenishment and how we can manage to stay calm and, and practices or uh, food that you may eat or even playlists that you listen to whenever yeah. you eat the world. So I would be, I, I would love to hear uh, how do you manage the, to, to yeah. come back from, from that. So I think it's a really like a two pronged question, right? Because normally I would say it's less challenging than it has been this past two years. So being in fitness, wellness the last two years has been a real roller coaster. And I have found that I've had to really double down on a lot of my practices. And even then, they're, I'm still finding it very challenging when it comes to staying replenished and staying excited and staying curious and just staying interested in, in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy right now. And and this has come up in a lot of different conversations of like, I'm just like, my resilience muscle is just like donezo right now because we've kind of been fighting this for so long, especially here in Boston. Yeah. And so normally, I mean, I have a lot of different practices. I start my day with a gratitude practice. I started that about Going on, I guess maybe two or three years now. Um, I think two, and it just—I always thought it was stupid. I read about all these high-performance learners and speakers and mentors, and I was like, "That's so dumb. I'm not going to do that." Like, whatever. And then I, when I actually did it, I was like, "Oh, this is this is legit. This is life-changing, life-altering." And so that is really something that I do not skip. I do not mess with that. That is like my grounding force in the morning. Of course, music is medicine. So I'm always making playlists and finding songs and and doing all that. Uh, I'm pretty religious. So I go to church every week. That really helps me. Um, I really got back into that, I would say, in the last few years. And then I'm just always listening to podcasts and listening to Audible. I'm really always looking for you know, that next Brene Brown book or personal development or how to really stretch my mind beyond. Like I'm not really a fluff reader, like a fiction reader, unless it's the beach in the summer, then I can do that, you know? But otherwise, I'm really always trying to seek something to make my mind kind of think in a different way. And that helps me stay sharp, I think, when I really – when I would really rather just quit or I would rather feel like shit or you can feel like the suck in your life, I think that really can pull you out of that deep, dark hole if you find yourself in it. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I, I think for myself also, I try to, I, I try to be more intentional about the things that I am listening to and the things that I am reading to because uh, yeah, like moreover in these times, it's so easy to get inundated with bad news and like the anxiety that's all over the place. And uh, if you are not feeding yourself the right things to your mind, it's very easy to just like get into the that rabbit hole, and it, then it's yeah. kind of hard to get out of that. So I, I also yeah. have to be intentional about it. I think that, and I also, I also think sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. And I, I go back and forth because I, sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, but it's really like sometimes you have to will your way into a mood. Like I wake up 
and I do this little thing on top of my gratitude practice. Like sometimes I write the opposite of what I'm feeling. So if I'm really tired and I'm really sore and I feel like I want to die that day because I'm just like, how am I possibly going to do this? I write an I am statement. So it's a, I always say like, start your day with an I am statement. And maybe it's the exact opposite of how you're feeling. So what I mean, I wake up, I feel like crap. I'm so tired. I'm like, how am I going to go teach this class? And I write, I am alive and lively. I am alive and amplified. I am the light for others today. Like I am magical and bringing the energy, even if I feel like I'm dead that morning. And sometimes just giving yourself like a supercharged superpower statement, even if it's like a complete lie from how you're actually feeling, can like tripwire your brain to just be like, Maybe you just say that to yourself the whole way to your first class or the whole way to work. And sometimes you have to will it into existence. I think so often, I don't know, there's this whole like movement around like not be like not powering through and just kind of like, like whatever. Sometimes you have to power through. Like it's challenging to push through sometimes. Yeah, no, totally. I, I totally agree. I've never, I've never tried something like that, but I, but I do agree with that. And, and moreover, whenever you are, because you are a, a professional instructor and a lot of times uh, me in, in my end as, a, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of days where I just don't feel like being an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of days where like whenever, whenever the things get super hard, there are days that I'm like, oh my God, why I don't have a nine to five job where it's just like hits 5 p.m., I can just like clock out and stop thinking about the the work. There's a lot of days where I am like 12 hours in and I know that next day I'm going to wake up tired. And doing these days, if I am not able to power through these like these downs and, and these bad days, uh, the company will never go anywhere. And And yeah, I think it's very important to be able to to kind of like prime your mind to be able to push through and it's also it's like a muscle right um i think that some days uh, of course it's gonna feel like super super hard but the more you do it it's it, it kind of starts to, to feel that you you go in and you ride a momentum basically and some days you just like don't feel it but the muscle yeah. is there and that muscle helps you just power through those those hard days yeah. You know, something I really love because I love motivation. I love it. I am always throwing on like a YouTube. There's this there's this YouTube channel called Ben Lionel Scott and I subscribe to it and he makes all these clips of like all these different motivational speakers talking and I listen to them all the time because sometimes it's just like you got to tripwire your brain into thinking differently. And I definitely totally empathize with like just you're like, how am I going to do this? And I think so many people rely on the motivation, but when the motivation runs out because it will, then it's just about your practices and it's about um, your the your you know your practices and routines that you've put in place. And it's about discipline. It's mm-hmm. about going even when you don't want to go and showing up when you don't want to show up and saying I'm going to be there and you're going to be there. And it's just about holding yourself to a, a higher standard and holding yourself accountable. And I yeah. think that is really the difference. Um, yeah. The, like kind of moving the needle there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I also think that something that have, uh, that helped me a lot in these days is that um, I also tried to put in, in my days um, things that are going to excite me other than like, let's say sometimes work can feel super overwhelming. And like, I know that I'm going to have, I don't know, a 10 hour day of work and that feels a bit overwhelming, but on purpose, I, I normally put one thing in the day that I can look forward to that yeah. is going to be fun or it's going to be just like a time for me or just, I don't know. Yeah, you need those carrots. You need yeah. those carrots and those little like prizes, these little like, 
surprise moments to pull you through. And now if that can't happen every day, then maybe it's once a week or it's like, like, so for me, something I do is like, I started horseback riding again. It was something I do when I was little. I wrote it in my journal every day. I was like, I am going to develop a horseback riding practice. I finally did it. I doubled down. And now it's something I do every two weeks because the barn is like an hour away. So it is a little challenging, but I look forward to that every two weeks. And so when you give yourself these little lights at the end of the tunnel or these little blips in the day, and whether that be, you know, okay, I'm going to teach all my classes, but I'm going to also go take a Barry's class for me, or I'm going to go out to dinner with my best friend. And like, when you put these little like, um, meter markers of like, you're making it there, you know, like, have you ever, I guess I kind of relate it to sometimes if you run around a uh, track or like maybe the Esplanade, there's different markers, or maybe you've gone on a course where there's different markers of like mile one, mile two, mile three. Yeah. And sometimes those serve as like a nice little reminder of like how far you've come and also like give you a little more, they give you a little more zing and a little more juice, right? If you're yeah. just running around a track and you have no idea where you are, or you're on a hike and you have no idea where you are, you're like, oh, okay, like what's going on? But it gives you like a little bit of excitement and be like, oh my God, we're like halfway in or whatever in or, and that's kind of how I feel like these little, these little things can be throughout your day, whether, yeah. I don't know, everybody's is different because everybody finds joy in different things, but whatever little, like little sparkly notes you can put into your day. So it's just not totally monotonous. And, you know, you're an entrepreneur and I have a pretty entrepreneurial schedule as well. I always say schedule it in. Like I have something like I schedule in a nap. Like I teach at 7 a.m. on and then I also teach at 6.30 p.m. So my day is like a 15, 16 hour day. I always schedule in a nap and I used to feel really guilty about that. But now I'm like, no, because I'm functioning well outside what normal hours should be. And so that nap saves me. Like and it also just gives me a second to just shut my brain off. Yeah. Because sometimes it's very over. I'm like teaching and doing and I'm running this business and I'm running Wicked Fearless and I'm doing this coaching and I'm taking these calls. And my nap at two is like my go down. Like it's like shut off for a little while, wake back up and dive back in to the next class and more calls and an 830 coaching call at night and like all this stuff. So you have to figure out what works for you with what your schedule is and schedule accordingly and not feel guilty about it looking different than someone else's because we all function differently. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's like also... You know what what I've seen that works very well for me? And it's something that I want to kind of like double down on these these new years, one of like my my goals for this year. It's to get involved in uh, some type of hobby um, that I am going to kind of like allow myself to even be bad at it. Just like to do it just for the sake of it's something fun. Like for me, I, I really enjoy uh, drawing. Um, yeah. It's something that I used to do a lot when I was a kid. Um, and it's like, I'm not necessarily like really great at it. Like I'm not looking to get uh, any applause or like get like. Yeah, but that's more. what a hobby should be. And I think, yeah. I think there's this weird thing that happens when we become adults. Like we don't want to be bad at anything. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be beginners. And I would say for people that are looking for a hobby, try to think back of the things that you did when you were younger, like that kid energy, that like child, and start there. So whether it's horseback riding or pickleball, like something I really want to do is I used to take karate when I was little and I really want to do that again because I think it would be fun. Like yeah. all these little things um, that maybe you used to do, whether it's drawing or painting or maybe you – did like 4-H club and you are involved with animals or just something that's totally outside of your work, totally outside probably your comfort zone. Like I'm not super comfortable with a lot of the hobbies and things I try and just keep – and not wanting to be an expert at it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because I I think that a lot of us are – a lot of the times we can have a very demanding job or uh, demanding careers. And as you said, like whenever you are there, you do have to be on and you have to be all the time like that. And you have to be setting ambitious goals and growing and just like doing it for the sake of like having a, a big goal behind. 
So I think, as you said, like finding that balance and in your life where you can have something that you don't really have to be like super ambitious or you are not going to become a professional yeah. brother. You just do it because it's fun and because it just like helps you just like turn off your brain for 30 minutes or for an hour even. Um, I feel having those those little things in your life really help you uh, overcome these these bad periods of life, or just, as you said, like really nice markers in your day or in your week, where you say like, okay, like things may be burning in my in my company, things may be like, yeah. <laughs> but this this thing is just like easy. You just have to sit down, yeah. And grow. I think you have to have personal personal goals, professional goals, hobbies outside of work. Um, insert yourself in different like communities and and just find yourself in different circles because that just keeps you it just keeps you open and it keeps you curious and it keeps you learning. I always say something I say often is um, while we're seeking, they're sleeping which is like you need to become a seeker of new information. As an adult, like you're not in school. No one's holding you accountable to learn more. No one's telling you I'll read this or do this. I mean, unless you're literally seeking it out in mentorship and podcasts and all this stuff. Like you, once you like after college and you're let out in the world or grad school or you don't have somebody holding you accountable, whether that be a parent, a teacher, a mentor, a leader, a coach on a team, you are literally just thrown out into the world and you have to figure it out. And yes. a lot of times I think as adults, like we forget that like you have to like stay vigilant uh, it, for your own learning. And like that's really the school of life. Like you have to stay curious and read different things and put yourself in different places and different shoes and different experiences and scenarios or otherwise you stop learning and then you can – and then you just stay complacent and you just – kind of get on that hamster wheel of like doing the same thing every day, going to the same job, seeing the same people coming home. And that's when I find a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so stuck. I don't feel fulfilled. Like I'm so bored. And I'm like, because you're just, you're not trying to do anything outside of, you know, your cycle. You're just kind of like in this hamster wheel of life. And you have to break that by getting curious and putting yourself out there. I remember when I first moved to Boston and I've always been a pretty outgoing person, confident. Um, I've never had an issue going to events alone, but I challenge a lot of girls that I coach to sign up for Eventbrite. I know this is a little challenging during COVID, but I would say in normal times, whatever that means at this point, I would sign up for random Eventbrite events and I would go or I would look for like a sound bath. And like I went to a sound bath in the South End and that's how I found this awesome teacher, Rachel. And like now I follow her and what she does. And it's like when you put yourself in outside of your comfort zone, as scary as it is to show up somewhere by yourself, whether that be a Lululemon dinner or like an event where you don't know anybody you have you are forced to work on yourself and don't get me wrong i've gone to some events by myself and i totally cowered down and i didn't talk to anybody and i kind of just went and left and when you leave you're like why didn't i lean in because i'm never going to get that opportunity again and one of my favorite people um i believe her name is patrice walker um she says you never know who could bless you with a different like you have no idea who you could meet that could bless you and change your life no idea. And so when you lean in and you have the conversations and you put yourself out there and you go to different things, your life is just going to massively change and, yeah. and get bigger. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I, I like to call that the, like expanding your surface of luck. Uh, yes. Like, oh my gosh. I love that. I'm going to write that down. I've never heard that. The more The more you are out there and the more you're doing what you just said, it's basically you're expanding the surface of luck. Like, as you said, something may not happen, but you're just like increasing the chances of, as you said, being blessed or uh, getting lucky. And a lot of the things- I love that. I love that because I have a serious issue with the word lucky. You know, when someone does something really amazing or, you know, creates a company or, you know, sells their company for all this money or does whatever they do and you're like, oh, they're, they're so lucky. 
It's like, no, they're not. They worked their ass off. You just didn't get to see the 10 chapters previously to what brought them to that point of luck, quote unquote luck. And I loved what you said because I always say just putting yourself out there, it's just like, it's a game of numbers. It's a game of chances. And you can put yourself into like in front of opportunity. And because you were brave enough to put yourself out there, that's when people are like, oh, you're so lucky because you like got that opportunity. It's like, no, I kept showing up. And because I kept showing up, I put myself in a position to receive it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I oh, in, in my in my life, uh, one very one example that I can think of right now of that was actually finding my business partner, Juan. Um, Every entrepreneur that, and, and if any entrepreneur is listening, they, they really know that finding the right partner and finding the right co-founder, uh, it's very hard. And we, we have a very, a very nice relationship that works very well. Our business relationship is amazing. We complement each other very well. Uh, we're very good friends with him. Um, and whenever I've talked with other entrepreneurs, they've told me like, oh my God, you both are so lucky to, to have found each other basically and uh, because it's like very hard to do that uh, but i remember like how how we started to work together was because i think at that point i was starting i, I was not even starting a company I had like an idea of a different company and i knew and i knew him from college and we were not even close but i knew that that he was very into entrepreneurship and he was very into business and, and he was very business savvy um, so one part of me was like, hey, you should just reach out to him and tell him to just like get coffee and just like tell him your business idea. Yeah. Um, and he was like, there was nothing formed. It was nothing like, I really didn't have like a, a, any specific goal of like that, like getting something out of that meeting at, at all. I just told him like, hey man, let's, let's get together, get a coffee and let's talk about business. Um, that in that meeting that we that we got, um, we just saw that we, we both were like very very passionate about business, very passionate about entrepreneurship, and then like the relationship after that started to evolve, and then we started to work together in a different project and all that. But it was this right, like sometimes it's like it can be scary to ask someone to just like go have a coffee or go have some drinks and just like talk about something that you are passionate about, even if you don't have like a big agenda behind that. I, I figured that like, I, it's like that. It's just like expand your surface of luck. Maybe that friend, that, that person is going to become a friend. Maybe it's going to be just a coffee and you just went for an hour and it, it was just that. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think, like yeah, you increase your chances. It's like you increase your chances and it's all, life is just a numbers game, right? Yeah. It's kind of like sales. Like you're increasing your chances, whether it's in a personal, whether it's, work whether it's whatever when you when you really lean into that and yeah it's scary it's super scary and sometimes it's super awkward and you go and you have like a really awkward time but that's like yeah. all part of the human experience and like sometimes you walk away and you're like oh that was awful but at least <laughs> yeah. you had the experience you know yeah i love it's so cheesy but it's like that Wayne Gretzky quote that's like you miss 100% of the shots you never take i never mm -hmm. regret going and having a bad time, like, oh, that was a waste of time. I'm like, I'm bummed or whatever. But you'll always regret not going. And no. the thought and the thought of what it could have been, even if the outcome was bad, will eat you like alive rather than, oh, I went and it sucked. Okay. Well, now I learned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh -huh. it's like, yeah, it's it's the regret of not even having tried that honestly like pulls at your soul and not in a good way yeah yeah i i agree a hundred percent i love that hey just a quick pause for a message from waku and we will be right back to the interview we are very excited to let everyone know we've just launched waku's crowdfunding equity campaign through republic a platform that allows anyone to invest in private startups like waku Waku is now part of a very exclusive group of highly vetted startups from Republic, and now you can become an investor of Waku starting with investments as small as $100. If you'd like to learn more about why to invest in Waku and why this is such a great investment opportunity, you can go to republic.co forward slash Waku. That's R-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot C-O 
forward slash W-A-K-U. We will be thrilled to have you join us in our journey to bring to the world the most refreshing herbal tea with gut health benefits and help to create impact in the livelihoods of hundreds of Ecuadorian farmers. Let's get back to the show. Um, now, my son, my next question, I, I, I want to go now more to the side of the uh, your one of, I think it's this one of your newest ventures that I read you started more during the pandemic uh, uh, time. And it's um, your Wicked Fearless program. Um, yeah. First, um, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I know that you talk a lot about recasting the role of fear in your life. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, to understand a little bit better what, what do you mean by recasting the role of fear? Yeah. So it's really, a, it's a mindset thing, right? I think a lot of times, and I've, I've talked a lot about anxiety. I think I just posted a reel about like how anxiety and as humans, we, we come up with these really grand narratives in our head of, of, of how bad it is or how it's going to go. And it's never a positive thing. And so recasting the role of fear in your life, because a lot of that is just from fear, fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty, um, fear of rejection. It's just always fear is the prerequisite to then whatever comes after. And that's really just a reprogramming of your brain. And I call it future trip to where you want to go because it takes just as much energy to play out the bad outcome or the, the not so great scenario as it does to play out, what if it all works out? What if this turns out better than I could have ever thought? What if the last two years of my life, although they were freaking hell, prepare me to slingshot into the third year that's going to be amazing? So it's really just a, a reprogramming of how you think about yourself, um, your thoughts. I always say your words are weighted. Your body listens on a cellular level. I remember there's like a, a – a science experiment, you, I think they make kids do in schools where you you talk mean to one plant and you talk nice to another plant. And now whether or not it actually works, but that is really what it's like. If you were to, you know, I came up with an analogy recently was that was actually better. I liked this one more. If you put two groups of people in two different theaters and one theater, you play all happy endings and positive and whatever. And the other theater, you play all like scary, traumatic, bad stuff. Which group do you think is going to be more footloose, fancy, free, happier, projecting great things in their life? Like, yeah. hello. So that's really what it's about. Just really reprogramming the way you think, how you talk to yourself. Um, and just knowing that you really have the power. You, your mind is such a powerful thing. And when you can really just flip the script on yourself and ch change the narrative, you become supercharged with what you're capable of. Um, what your powers could be. I think it's really, it really starts with how you think, how you're thinking, not only about yourself, but just all the things in general. Yeah. I recently read a quote that said, like, it said something like, um, whenever you are too worried about like the worst thing and the worst scenario happening, yeah. and then it happens uh, you just like, did it twice. It's like you yeah, lived the like trauma lived twice. twice. Yeah, like, I know. That one is so wild to me. That to ourselves. It doesn't make that. And you know what? The thing is, is it's challenging, right? We're humans. And for whatever reason, our human brain is not – we've evolved so far. But like think about how we started. Like our human brain was meant to be like danger or not danger, fight or flight. It's not meant to feel the myriad of motions in between. And so we have to really like peel back the layers and like work – like I would say it works if you work it. We have to really work it and will it to the way we want it to go because – our brain is not, you know, we're supposed to fight or flight, tiger, no tiger, survival, not. And and now we've evolved so far beyond that, that we have to really like, we have to really work with our brains. Our brain is a malleable thing, but we have to work it and will it to go the way we want it to go. But I love what you said about you just relive the trauma twice yeah. of like worrying about how bad it's going to be. And I remember I did that in a situation recently and I, I could not pull myself out of it. And then it ended up not being as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I was like, I just tortured myself for two weeks over something that never even really happened. And yeah. it's so 
it really is such a challenge to let go and like feel that let go and that surrender of like it, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. That takes such work and we don't always – we never really quite master it. But you can certainly try and you can put, implement different techniques and routines to help you so you don't absolutely like just go – I call it the badlands, like when your mind just goes to like shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. Um, in, in, in your personal journey, I know that you're very well known for being like this fearless woman and I love that the energy that, that you have. Um, and I wanted to ask you, have you been always like this? Uh, or, or this is something that was more like a journey of you becoming this fearless woman that you are today? Um, uh, or how was that journey like? How did you become like this wicked, fearless woman that you are today? Yeah. So I would say like, you know, I say wicked, fear fearless, but I was at... I was at a conference recently and I heard a speaker say fear with, and that's really what it is. It's it's not that the fear is not omnipresent. It's always there. We're always going to feel fear in different ways, but it's being able to go toe to toe with it and know that you have the power to overcome it no matter what it is. And so it's really more like fear with, right? We're never without it. It's just having the courage to like fear the fear and do it anyway, feel the fear and do it anyway. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting you say that because I'm actually telling a story right now on this week's podcast of kind of like I went down like a very windy, dark path in LA and I was doing a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. And I, I just hit a really bottomed out point where a friend handed me a book. The book was called Spirit Junkie by Gabby Bernstein. And I started reading that book and I was having to go to all these different AA meetings because I got in trouble and all these different things started to change the way I thought about myself. And slowly, I kind of crawled my way back and that craving for something beyond myself or wanting to better myself or wanting to keep reading and learn more and learn more about these tools and techniques and spirituality and all this stuff, it just never went away. It kind of became like, it's like an insatiable thing for me. Like I'm always trying to read the next cool book that came out about, you know, how to change your mind or better yourself or deal with guilt or shame or all of it. I think I just, I hit a real rock bottom where I just was like, I don't know what to be other than myself because I was just so over myself and so disgusted with where I was in my life that I had to just completely change everything about me and I had to own my mess. And I think once you own your mess and you know no one can hold anything over your head about who you were or what you did, no matter how bad it was in your life, there's a level of freedom there, uh, a, leather, a level of like raw authenticity. I think that's so palpable. Um, and, and it just happens because you just don't know how you don't know any other way to show up other than just who you are, take it or leave it, you know? Yeah. So I would say maybe that's the aura of what I give off. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it came through some real hardship and having to do some real, um, looking in the mirror and being like, I really don't, I really don't like who you are. And we have to change it and kind of crawling your way back from like a really shit storm situation and then just never stopping yeah. and, and keep going. And I think that's really what got me to where I am today. Wow. That's, that's very powerful stuff. Um, Thanks. And doing whenever you people join your program and, and join the, the, the Wicked Fearless program, I, I know that's something that you do in, like around four times per year. Yeah, I try to do it uh, once a quarter. I would ideally like to do it more often. And, and my goal is to create different iterations and do one-on-one -on -one coaching and do all these things. But again, like, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're like, okay, so, okay, this is working. This isn't working. Okay, what can we add? What can we subtract? So it's really all a learning game and not taking myself too seriously, knowing that, you know, I'm – I think sometimes we're the hardest on ourselves, right? 
and just trying to really explore how it can expand and grow um, and what what can really come of it this year versus the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. So yeah, for uh, anyone that's listening, um, I know that they can go to your website. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave uh, the link to your website here in the. In the oh Twitter. yeah, and I always say like Instagram. I, you know, you have a website, you have landing pages, you have all the things, and I know you know all this. You have the email list, you have everything, the podcast, you have everything going on, and yet I find that the most often, most often my conversations I'm having are in the DM and Instagram. It is literally like, I will send emails. I will send owls. I will send postcards. I will send everything. And the way people communicate, I feel like for the most part is on Instagram. And, and so that's really what I tell people to do. Like go to at Mads Tads, ask questions. Like I'm very, I know people always say that I'm really scary and intimidating, which I think is hilarious because I just, I feel like I'm not, but I guess maybe I am. I don't know. Still trying to explore that. I'm trying to peel those layers back. But I always say just like DM me or comment or have a conversation because again, like we just talked about, like it's very low risk. Like it's yeah. literally over your phone. Like yeah. you're not meeting me in person unless you want to. Um, and so I always say just, just message me if you want to chat. <laughs> like, Amazing. Okay. So there you go, people. Just Slide into the DMs. Uh, Literally, I think I think that's the just the most genuine way at this point. And yeah, of course, there's email and there's all the other things, but I think it's just the quickest way to to get to it. I guess. Amazing. Um, to start starting to wrap up our conversation, um, I wanted to ask you: Do you do? Um, do you set your for yourself like goals or intentions for the for like at the beginning of the year? Yeah, so I actually the way I do my gratitude practice in the morning is I write down 10 goals that I'm going to make happen. And the way I do goals are like a month goal, uh like 3 months, 6 months, to and then like a year and then like those massive shoot your shot I want to swim with whale sharks like in the Maldives kind of crazy ideas or crazy dreams like the dream casting ones that seem so wild but like you really want them no matter you know those are like your life goals or the bucket list things and so I do that um I actually did a workshop last week about dream casting and goal setting and dreams and things like that. My biggest goal right now, I know it sounds so silly, but I am really close to doing a hundred classes at Barry's. So that's like a little personal goal of mine that's in the near future. And then I just kind of cool. switch them out and keep them going. So I do a brain dump usually at the beginning of every year. And I write down like all the things that I want to do. So like all the stuff comes to mind. I wanted to speak on panels. I want to do this. I want to talk on this podcast. I want to do that. I want to talk on this stage and do this. And you just let your mind like go nuts for 10 minutes and write down everything you could possibly dream and imagine all the things you want in this year. And then from there, I start to kind of create the roadmap of like, okay, what's like really wild where I might have to take some actionary steps before that, some pre-goals to the big goal. And then yeah. like what's really attainable and then kind of you kind of create this web of like, all right, what's the month? What's the three-month goal? Six months, a year, maybe a little further out. And I think a lot of times the problem people run into with goal setting is they just have this really massive goal. So say like you're working at a company and you want to be like the VP of sales. And it's like, okay, well, step one, what do you need to do in this moment, in this level of where you are to excel and exceed expectations? And, what, and then set that goal for yourself. So sometimes you have to reverse engineer your goals so they don't look like this big scary thing on the wall because that's when you get in like the analysis paralysis of like, how am I ever going to get there? There's no way I'm ever going to do it. And it's like, whoa, backtrack. And it's kind of like you have to build the roadmap backwards, like put the goal out there, put the lighthouse like 100 yards out and then be like, all right, how am I going to navigate there? And what's going to get me there? And what are the actionary steps and items or benchmarks I need to hit in order yeah. to actually make that thing out there attainable? Hmm. Yeah, I I really like that. And, and it's... It's very interesting that we as humans are like, because I, I know that everybody does this, right? Like we, at, at the beginning of the year, we set up these 
huge, big, scary goals. And of course, at some point, we're just going to start procrastinating towards it because it feels so overwhelming that we set up ourselves for for failure, basically, whenever when, whenever we do that. Um, yeah. It's a way better approach to just like uh, cut it in small chunks, small attainable chunks, um, and you know, you know what? It's it's very interesting. I, I was just reading a book. It's called uh, Four Thousand Weeks. It's about time management. Uh, it's called Time Management for Mortals, and um, one part <laughs> talks about like try try to explain a little bit on why we humans tend to do this thing of like setting like overwhelming goals and um it's it struck with me what it said because he 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 says that um we kind of like do it on purpose because Mm. um in our minds we create like an ideal world where we are uh, super powerful and we are limitless and basically we yeah. forever um, and it's kind of like easier for minds to kind of like have that ideal goal of, or our ideal selves there in the imagination yeah. and whenever we try to uh, actually achieve it we start to face with our limitations like with our real life limitations with our skill limitations yeah. with, with that so that makes it scarier to kind of like try to make it real so we prefer to just have it like okay at some point in my life i'm gonna run a marathon or i'm gonna do an iron what point in my life not today i'm not gonna run 10 minutes today because uh, maybe i'm not as fast or maybe i'm not as as uh, have as as much stamina Um, so I think that it's very important for us to be able to, like, if you really want to achieve that huge, big, overwhelming goal, just, like, figure out what's the small part that you can achieve today because then even if you are faced with your limit, your current limitations, um, you're going to start growing and you're going to start, like, approaching and getting closer to that big goal and big ideal self of, you, of yours and, your skill set can grow and your mind can grow and uh, your muscles can grow. So yeah, I think that's a very important thing to be doing for whenever you are setting your goals for, for the year. Yeah. To break them down to break for them. sure. Yeah. I, I really like that. Thank you so much, Madison. Um, and so, well, as, as you heard, if you can, if you want to listen more about her, follow her on Instagram. Um, can, can, can you tell us what's your handle? It's Mad Tad. Yeah, yeah no, my handle is Mad's Tad. So it's M A D D Z T A D D Z. So everything Mad's Tad's. And then you can follow me um, that from just my Instagram. You can get to my website. You can get to any information about Wicked Fearless. You can find the Wicked Fearless podcast there. Like that's kind of like the hub for everything. So if you're really looking for anything to do with me in general, that's probably where it's at. And then of course, Soul Cycle. So anytime you want to hop on a bike and find me there, I am very much around. And um, yeah, I I really appreciate you having me on today. This was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for coming, Madison. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hello everyone, this is Nico again, and just a few more things before you take off. If you'd like to be part of the Waku tribe to be the first one to know about the launch of exclusive flavors, special promotions, and content about health and wellness, just go to livewaku.com, that's L-I-V-E-W-A-K-U.com, and sign up for our email list. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy being part of our community.